Welcome back to Agent Investor, inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. In a business where potential deals are all around you, why not leverage your skills to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? And now, let's jump into the latest episode of Agent Investor. All right, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another live stream. This is a live stream kind of looking back in time that um, I wish I started a while ago. It's definitely one of the most important topics that you could ever train on. It's one of the most important decisions that you can ever make. And it's a decision that truthfully is going to be even after I give as much information as I can today. And you all know, obviously, you know, my claim to fame is teaching real estate agents how to invest in real estate. And for the most part, whether you're a new or experienced investor, the word investing in real estate, it invokes some sort of thought. And it's interesting because for every person out there, there's a different thought. For some people, investing means owning small multifamilies. For some people, investing means fixing and flipping. For some people, investing means using your money to put into a deal. And so invariably, most agents that I talk to, when I say, hey, you know, do you want to invest in real estate? Almost all across the board, almost every single agent raises their hand and says yes. And this is not just an agent thing. Most people in the world, including your clients, if you say, hey, do you want to invest in real estate? They're going to say yes. And one of the biggest reasons why anybody, just your clients or anybody else, why people are going to say yes is because they see the results that people get from investing. And most of us know this. I use this analogy all the time if I'm doing a live training. I always say to people, hey, how many people do you know? How many people that are in the crowd know somebody who got rich through owning some sort of real estate or investing in real estate? And invariably, almost every single person raises their hand in the crowd. And I always ask a follow-up question. I say, how many of those people that you know that got rich through owning real estate um, were geniuses or were these over-the-top like one out of a million people, and almost nobody raises their hand. And then I follow it up with a third question. I say, how many of them were average Joes, just people who invested in real estate and over a series of five or 10 or 15 or 20 years are now multimillionaires? And almost everybody raises their hand. Most of us know, we know that investing in real estate is the right thing to do, but we don't necessarily think too much about the different strategies that we can implement. And by the way, there are a lot of strategies that we can implement, which is why I want to make sure that we cover this today. Anytime that I work with somebody who's in the inner circle, we're always going to follow the same five-step process. And I'm going to cover that really, really quickly because I want everybody to understand, even if you're not in the inner circle, what you should be thinking about. How much capital do you have, if any? If you're like me, I had none to start. Uh, what type of investing have you done in the past? If you were like me when I started, the answer was nothing. 
what type of contacts do you have, whether it's people that you could borrow money from, whether it's contractors, whether it's attorneys. Um, so what are you starting with? What's your base? And it doesn't really matter. Like it matters what your base is because it, 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 it will help formulate your plan. But no matter what your base is, if you're like me and your base was basically nothing when you started, except for, you know, an extreme amount of uh, energy and desire to succeed, you need to know your base. The second thing you need is what's your outcome. And this is going to lead into the investing strategy that you use. Most people think that everybody has the same goals. Of course, everybody wants the same outcome. And that really couldn't be further from the truth. And I've told this story a couple times, and I'm going to repeat it because it's so important. I had somebody who came to work for me. Um, she was an inside sales agent who was making phone calls for seller leads that I had. She did really well, so I promoted her to an acquisition rep going on face-to-face -face seller appointments. She started doing really, really well. So I started giving her more leads. She kept getting more deals, and she was making six figures, but you know she she wasn't making millions of dollars. Then all of a sudden, she, she did that for about five or six years for me, maybe seven years. All of a sudden, she tells me that she's retiring. And she's probably in her mid-50s. It's like, you're retiring? What? How? And she said, well, you know, during the time that I work for you, I bought a couple of multifamilies. So everything that I made while working with you, I saved. And I am going to buy a bus <laughs> and I'm going to travel the country. I'm going to live on the bus and I live very, very cheaply. And now that my rents have gone up, I'm actually cash flowing. So I'm actually financially free. And I'm like thinking in my head. And that's kind of where it hit me. Would I personally want to live off of 20 or $30,000 a year? Not live in a house, not live in a house, live in a bus and have a little bit of rental income coming in. And my answer to that question is absolutely not. Does that mean though, does that mean that that shouldn't be somebody else's goal? And it was her goal and she achieved it. So she would probably look at what I do, which is buy a lot of nice things, spend a lot of money, have high expenses. And she would probably look and say, wow, what a, what a waste of, what a waste of resources. Why do you need all that money? What your goals are is going to have a large impact on what your investing strategy is. So my path to achieve that is going to be different than somebody who wants to retire, not work at all, live in a bus, not live in a house, and travel the country. Totally polar opposite goals. And so you've got to figure out what are your goals because the investment vehicles that you use are going to be different. Oh, I forgot to mention one on the point about her, actually. That's a huge part of it, is that the money that she saved during the time that she worked with me, she now invests in our apartment deals. Okay, so she makes thousands of dollars a month just by investing in our apartment deals. Then she makes a little bit more from the couple multifamilies that she owns. And the investment vehicle is going to help determine like how you get there. 
So we're going to talk about a bunch of different investment vehicles today. So the first thing that I want to talk about is really active versus passive income in real estate. Okay. And, and quick turn versus long term. Okay. So these two concepts are very, very important. Does that mean that you want to actively spend time flipping houses, assigning deals, building a rental property portfolio? Or do you want to spend money? Okay. Do you want to spend your time investing or do you want to spend money? So if you're like me and you started out with very, very little capital, I didn't have capital that I could invest. I couldn't be passive out of the gate. But just to give you an example of what it's like to be completely passive, an example of some people that it may make sense to be passive, okay? So if somebody had $500,000 in their bank account and they had two options, they could either be passive or they could be active. Somebody with $500,000 in their bank account, if they invest with somebody like us, or somebody else that syndicates deals that provides investment, passive investment opportunities to individuals, somebody with a $500,000 capital base could make somewhere around six figures per year. So for some people going back to what's your 10-year goal, there are some people that may want to earn six figures a year completely passively, and they have capital. Now, a lot of us that are on this call do not fit into that category. So I just want to be clear that I'm only talking to the people that have got capital sitting on the sideline, that don't necessarily have a home for it. They know they want to invest in real estate, but they don't want to actively go out there and hunt deals. They don't want to actively go out there and manage tenants. They don't want to actively build construction crews. If you've got capital, it is as simple as finding a good operating partner like us and putting money into their deals. And again, if somebody has five, $600,000, they can earn six figures by being completely passive. I know that that's not going to apply to everybody who's on this call. If there is somebody who's on this call that wants to learn about the capital, passive capital opportunities that we provide, please just type into the comment section or reach out to me directly and we can have that discussion. So now we're going to get into another, yet another classification of investing. What is investing? Well, it's very broad. So I break investing down into two types of investing. Number one, quick turn investing, assignments, wholesales, flipping. Quick turn meaning you're in a deal for a year or less, or longer term investing, which is typically, you know, one, two, three, 10, 20, and hopefully basically forever investing. Okay. So one thing to consider if you're on this call and you're an agent and you're thinking about investing in real estate or you're already investing in real estate is do you want to do quick turn, long term, or both? So my team this year will do, will do between 130 to 150 fix and flips. We are very active quick turn company. Um, quick turning is a way to get active income. If you are a very, very successful, high income earning agent, quick turning may not make sense for you. You're thinking, hey, I just want to be a little bit more passive. I want to own assets, et cetera. 
Quick Turn might not be for you. I know that most of the people that are listening, their income from their real estate sales is probably not north of $300,000, $400,000, $500,000. And especially if your income from real estate sales is, is around six figures or under six figures, I would almost always advocate some, some sort of quick turn investing. Now, does that mean that you have to go out and change what you're doing every day? No, absolutely not. And one of the biggest principles of the agent investor platform is that agents to do quick turn deals and even long term deals, just to invest, period. Agents come across and have opportunities in front of them all the time that they don't necessarily need to go out and spend a whole bunch of time trying to figure out how to be an investor. It's more about having your eyes open. So I'm going to give you a couple examples of some quick turn examples of deals that I think every agent should implement. Every agent, I think, unless you're making, again, north of three fifty, dollars north of $400,000 actively selling real estate, if you're making six figures or under, I believe you should do some sort of quick turn investing. The first deal I ever did, she wanted to sell direct to an investor. Okay. Like had no interest. Um, house was a wreck. She didn't want her neighbors to know what the house was going to look like. And long story short, I put her property under contract, assigned it to somebody who turned her two family into two luxury condos. And I made six figures assigning that contract. Another deal, it was a house that their friends, they inherited because their friend's mom passed away. It's in a nice community in Massachusetts. Because they were in the inner circle, they had the ability to partner with us. We partnered on the deal. We put up the money. We did the construction. And we split a deal. And we made six figures each. Six figures each on a fix and flip deal that they traditionally would have only made four, five, six percent commission. Again, the seller did not want to list the home. The seller wanted to sell direct to an investor. And frankly, we got a little bit lucky on the ARV. This was during the um, absolute boom of the market where people were paying 80,000 over asking. <sighs> Those days are gone now, unfortunately. But unless you're making a ton of money as a real estate agent, ton you should have your eyes open for quick turn deals at least you don't necessarily you may make the commitment to prospect for off-market deals to fix and flip or to assign that may be part of your agenda right that may be something that you want to do but to me at a minimum you just want to have your eyes open you know what are people in your office having coming soon is is it a flip opportunity is it an assignment deal you know, are you telling your SOI that not only do you list nice houses, but you also buy houses that need a bunch of work? So I believe that every agent should have some sort of quick turn. And if you're going to do quick turn, then you could do it completely passively in the way I just talked about, which is partner with us or assign a deal. Um, or you could be much more active and you could be out there hunting for deals all the time. So this is where we start to get into the strategies. Now, if your main objective, going back to that 10-year goal, if your main objective is you're saying, okay, 
I need to make as much money every year as I possibly can. I need to get my active income up as high as I can. Fixing and flipping is a great way to do it. Fixing and flipping is a much higher dollar per hour than being an agent. It just is. Um, I'm not knocking being an agent. I'm an agent. I'm a broker. I have 350 agents. Um, but flipping houses is a much higher dollar per hour than working with the buyer, than listing a home. It's a very, very high dollar per hour. However, if you decide that you want to be more active in it, more than just like keeping your eyes open, doing like one quick turn deal a year, if you want to do three, four, five, six, ten, you know, maybe you want to get crazy like us and and do over a hundred per year, then you've got to be an active marketer to sellers off market. And we teach and train on how to find great off-market deals all the time. But again, when you when we're talking about choosing an investing strategy that fits your personality, are you somebody who wants to run a seller sales organization? My team goes on about 125 seller appointments per week to buy like three or four houses a week. Most of the time when we're going out on these seller appointments, we're meeting with the seller and selling direct to an investor doesn't fit their objectives. That's okay. Um, it's totally okay for them to not want to sell directly to us. We've got other alternatives. We can list their home. Um, you know, sometimes they keep their home and they're just looking to see what they could get. But if you want, if you decide my investing personality, what I want is to earn a bunch more income per year and I want to get really active and I want to do a lot of flips you've got to generate a ton of face-to-face -face seller appointments. And then you have to get into, okay, well, what are the strategies necessary in order to do that? And again, we, we talk about these in much more detail on other shows, uh, but that means you're going to mail or you're going to call or you're going to text or you're going to door knock or you're going to run ads on Facebook or you're going to do pay-per-click and you're going to generate all these seller appointments every single week. And you're going to be a seller appointment generation machine and go on as many of these face-to-face -face appointments as you can and you're going to close on them and you're going to flip them and if you're flipping them you're going to make 40 to eighty thousand dollars a flip times as many flips as you're going to do and in terms of again it fitting your personality you've got to do really two things really well if you're going to flip a lot of houses the first is generate a bunch of seller appointments you've got to get deals off market to make money in the flipping business. So you've got to do all those strategies I said. So you've got to do a bunch of marketing to get the appointments. Then you've got to get face-to-face -face with people and sell them on selling to you. And then you've got to renovate them. So you need to be really good at sales, marketing, and construction. Now, if that sounds like you, if that sounds like what your day-to-day, -day, you want your day-to-day -to, -day to be, and fixing with your 10-year goal. Again, keep in mind, does this fit in with your 10-year goal? A mistake that we made and uh, you know, I'm not one to sit here. I'll talk about all my successes. Um, I talk about all my su successes all the time. One of my biggest failures and mistakes was that instead of focusing a little bit more on long term, we focused more on active income, and we did a ton of flips every year. Now we built up a machine to do a bunch of flips, and at this point. The machine is built. The staff is there. The marketing is there. The construction teams are there. So we're not going to shut it off. But 
when, when I, if I were to be honest with myself, and again, this is what you guys need to do. You need to be honest about what your goals are. My objective when I got into real estate, when I read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, was not to flip a bunch of houses. It really wasn't. I never said in 2003, 2004, 2005, geez, want to flip a bunch of houses. Never did. So if you don't want to flip a bunch of houses, don't start flipping a bunch of houses. Sounds easy, right? But again, the, the, the issue that you run into with almost every one of these strategies is if you do it right, you'll have success. You'll have financial success. Once you start to have some financial success, it can become easy to lose sight of your goals, which is why that 10-year you know, vision that you have for yourself and your company is so important. Hey everyone, this is Tom Caffarella. I want to quickly interrupt the podcast to number one, thank all of my loyal listeners of the Agent Investor Podcast and tell you guys really quickly about an exciting event we have coming up. Uh, It's a two-day event. It's called the Passive Income Real Estate Investor Event um, that you can find out more details at PassiveIncomeEvent.com. We're going to be doing a two-day training session teaching all of the agents and all of the investors at the event on how to achieve financial freedom through real estate. If you're like me and your goal is to not work 80, 100 hours a week grinding, selling real estate, flipping homes, um, definitely check out this event. We're going to teach you how to build a passive income portfolio so that you can retire, so that you can work when you want, how you want and ultimately achieve financial freedom. So again, go to PassiveIncomeEvent.com for more details. And we look forward to seeing you at the upcoming event. So we talked about fixing and flipping and the strategies that you need and getting deals off market and why that's important and what you need to do there. Um, The next thing I want to talk about is, is longer term asset holding. So if you're talking about longer-term asset holding, again, guys, I'm only going to talk about my experiences. So I'm not going to talk about stuff that, you know, I don't have a lot of experience in. I'm not going to talk about owning a mobile home park, or I'm not going to talk about owning a storage unit or anything like that because I just haven't done it. So I am going to talk about the most tried and true investments, which are small multifamily, short-term rentals. Um, I'm going to talk about apartment buildings, which is really our primary focus at this point. And so I'm going to talk about the pros, the cons, what you need to do to be successful. And again, like I talked with flipping, I I do want to make another point on flipping. I talked about flipping and I said, you need to get really good at a few things with flipping because it's not just about what you want your 10 year goal to be, but it's about what skills you need in order to be successful in that area of investing. And again, I talked about specifically with flipping that you need to get really good at marketing, need to get good at sales. When I say sales, like going on an appointment with somebody you've never met before and getting them to sign a contract to sell their house to you. And you need to get good at construction. So if you're talking about these three skill sets that you need to get good at over the course of time, I guess unless you're partnering with us in the inner circle, you could take away the construction piece. But for those of you who are not in the inner circle, you have to add the construction piece. So those are the skills, right? So let's talk about the other areas of investing. Let's talk about small multifamily, pros, cons, all this good stuff. 
So small multifamily, keep it even one unit, you know, condos, townhouses, single families, all the way up to say 10 units. I'm going to define that as small multifamily. When most people think about investing in real estate, if I were to poll, you know, everybody that's on the line right now, and I said, what is investing in real estate? Most people would probably answer saying, owning a three family in a specific town and collecting rents. So we built up an over 300 person rental property portfolio. And I want to talk about some of the really good things, some of the really bad things about small multifamily portfolio. But I also want to, again, talk about the skills that are needing in order to do this business. So when you're talking about small multifamily accumulation, again, it gets back to your goals. If you have smaller-ish multifamily goals, if you say something like, I want to earn six figures passively in small multifamily real estate over the course of a 10-year period, we can afford to take it pretty slow. We can afford to do something and utilize something called the Burr strategy. Now, I've talked about the Burr strategy before, but it's a really, really important strategy that I need to talk about really quickly because it's relevant to like how which strategy you're going to choose. The Burr strategy, Burr is simply an acronym. And Burr is buy, hopefully at a discount, um, renovate, rent at fair market value, refinance, repeat. So the skills that are needed there are getting that bit of capital, which again, not a big deal, but it's something that you have to do. Then you have to be able to do light renovations, you know, rent-ready renovations. Probably want to be doing stuff that's like minor reno that anybody could really do. So you do need to have, you know, some construction skills. You need to have some management skills. In order to cash flow on small multifamily or single families or two families or like smaller units, you're typically going to have to go into areas that are a little bit tougher to manage. You're typically not going to be able to buy cash flow, small multifamily assets in super, super high-end areas. Now, if you want to go a little bit faster, and this goes back to kind of your 10-year goal, you've got to add additional skills. So in order to cash flow in these smaller multifamilies, one of the biggest ones we had, again, like I kind of mentioned, is that you've got to typically buy these assets in communities that are harder to manage. So it's hard to buy assets in an A-plus community that cash flow on multifamily assets. So the second thing that we had a problem with, with the smaller multifamily deals, is just simply the fact that the buildings that we were buying were 100 years old. So what do 100-year-old buildings mean? You're going to have a lot of deferred maintenance where you renovate a property and seven or eight years later, it needs to be renovated again. And so when I read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, again, this goes back to what would you tell yourself? What would I tell the 21-year-old self that read the the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, had a vision in my mind, but didn't execute it as well as I could have? What I would have said was that what attracted you to that book and what got you excited about that book is the passive part. It is hard to be completely passive with small multifamily, with one unit to six unit multifamily, because you're buying them in tougher areas. The tenants are harder. There's more problems. There's more buildings because they're smaller units. 
So think about every time there's a snowstorm, there's a roof going every you know year or two, like there's always stuff going with them. So when we talk about passive, I look at those assets as kind of being in between having a job and being passive. They're kind of passive, but they're not passive enough in my opinion, which is why a few years ago we transitioned into building apartments. And so we've got about 250 units that we're building right now, new construction. I'm going to tell you the pros and cons of those. One of the biggest cons of those, and this is something that, um, again, it's like, what skill sets do you need to be successful in the investing strategy? And what do you want your actual day-to-day to look like? So in order to be successful in the apartment business, you need to become a capital raiser. There's no way around it. Every apartment building that we do requires four to six million dollars of private capital to do the project. Now, we started by doing the first one on our own. Said, okay, we're going to use our own capital. But just like everybody else, there's only so many four to five million dollar blocks that you can invest, right? And you know, when I started. And day one in real estate, I had zero of those blocks. I had none. I had no ability to do apartments when I started. But regardless of how much capital you have, the apartment space, and I'm going to tell you about a lot of benefits about it, but you've got to become a capital raiser, which means that you've got to spend a lot of time getting in front of people, showing them that you're credible, showing them that you know what you're talking about, and putting together a win-win situation So that if somebody wants to invest passively with you, that it doesn't just make sense for the operator, but it makes sense for the passive capital partner. Okay. And I talked about that, you know, earlier in the show where I had somebody who retired with, you know, a good chunk of money and lives passively off of the interest that they earn on our buildings. And I've got a couple other, you know, really great stories. Um, My best friend, the best uh, man at my wedding, he worked for a startup company. He got some stock options, and he ended up getting a few million dollars um, when the company sold. And now he's invested with our company, and he hasn't worked, which I find crazy because he he stopped working at you know thirty five. But again, you know it's it's what your vision for your life is. And he was very fortunate to get those stock options. But getting back to like what you all need to do if you want to get into apartments, if you want the benefit of apartments. You've got to learn the capital raising skill. Now, I'm going to talk quickly about some of the pros of apartments. And there are a lot of pros. So here are the benefits of apartments. And this is why, whether you're thinking about actively um, getting into apartments or passively getting into apartments, why I'm so bullish on them. Uh, The first thing is, as opposed to the three to six unit small multifamily, apartment buildings are bigger, right? So you know, the latest project that we just raised capital for, an 88 unit in Nashua, New Hampshire, um, if one tenant moves out, we're good. We're real good. Like you have a single family or a two family and the tenant moves out, you've got like 50 to 100% vacancy. So when you have 88 units, and of course, we're in an environment right now where there's very little um, vacancy rate, the vacancy rate is very low. But if you have one or two or three people move out of an 88-unit building, you're still in great shape. The second thing that I really love about apartment buildings is the fact that you can get new assets. 
So we're building new assets um, as opposed to, again, most rental properties across the entire United States, most of them are going to be older assets. Now, if you're in New England, that means 100, 120 years old. But even if you're in other parts of the country, they're still older assets. Okay. Then the other thing I love about apartments is you can buy them and you can still cash flow in nice areas, right? So we're in, you know, B to A areas, B to A type of communities um, where there are good jobs, where people have good credit, where there are high quality tenants. And again, thinking back to like, what's our vision? We want to be passive. Well, if you want to be passive, then you can't have you can't have tenants that are going to make your life active. You need passive tenants. You need people that are going to pay you through direct deposit. You need people that if they have a small problem, maybe they, they fix it themselves or they follow the protocol that you tell them that they need to follow. Right. Um, so those are like the, to me, some of the big benefits of apartments, but again, it goes back to, well, if there are so many benefits of apartments, then what are the negatives? And again, the negative is, as opposed to, if you're talking about, we talked about quick turn deals in the beginning. If you're talking about assigning or flipping a deal, if you're assigning a deal, you need no money, zero. Again, this is why like you can do deals with no money. You really can. Or if you're in the inner circle, you can partner on a flip with us. Okay. Again, quick turn deals you can do with no money, right? You can make 40, 50, 60, $100,000 hits at a time and have no money. We talked about smaller multifamily. We talked about smaller multifamily. And we talked about the fact that you could burr. You could use your FHA loan. You could use little money and raise just a little bit or save money. And that's how, mo like I said, most millionaires who own rental real estate own these smaller assets. And, um, you know, a couple years ago, somebody was talking to me about buying a building that a CVS was going into. And they told me the cap rate, the cap rate was like two and a half percent. And I remember thinking, you know, why would anybody ever buy an asset with a two and a half percent cap rate? And now that I'm getting a little older, I'm not that old, but I'm getting older. I realized now if you have CVS as a client, how many calls are you ever going to get? Are you worried about CVS paying their bills? Are you worried about CVS keeping the parking lot clean? You're not. You're not. That's the ultimate passive passive investment. Now, we're not there yet, you know, in order to get into a deal like that. You've just that's a total capital play. That's somebody that maybe has a net worth of 20, 30, 40 million dollars and they say, "Hey, I don't need to get a good I don't need a very high rate of return." for me to have enough passive income to live, right? But we're at the point now where we're doing apartments. And again, if you want to do apartments, you've got to either raise capital, right, to put into your deal or be a passive investor in somebody else's deal like our deals. And either way that you do it is a great way. Um, the good thing about being a passive investor in an apartment deal is the fact that you just you pick a good operator, you put the money in, you sit back and you collect a very high rate of return, a rate of return that, you know, I wouldn't be super confident that I get in the stock market right now um, with all the volatility. And even in the best case scenario, you're looking at the stock market thinking, OK, if I can get a 12 percent rate of return in the stock market, I'm going to be happy. Um, 
So the last, you know, investing strategy that I want to talk about really quickly that's really popular right now, and I've I've got a strong opinion on it, and and a lot of times I maybe I put my foot in my mouth a little bit with some of my opinions, but I'm always going to give them because I I just want to give you know my you know, I want to help everyone as much as I can. And I'm always going to have my own opinions and I'm just going to share them, period. So I don't love short-term rentals. I really don't. Um, I look at what I want to do. And this, I, I guess I'm talking about myself, right? I'm talking about myself. I'm not talking about anybody who's on this call. So I will talk about the pros of short-term rentals too. But I look at myself and I go, Short-term rentals mean that you've got to have a new person in there every week, which means that you have to have a mechanism to talk to a new person every week, a mechanism to market to a new person every week. You have to clean the place every single week. And most people who run short-term rentals um, essentially say it's like you're in the hospitality business. You're not necessarily like in the real estate investing business per se, even though you are investing in real estate. So I look at short-term rentals. The two thing, there's three things I really don't like about them. And then I'm going to talk about the pros in them. The three things I don't like about them. Number one is they, by definition, have to be more active. Now, some people will say, well, I've got a good system set up. I don't have a lot of problems. But you still have things to do on a day-to-day basis, which makes it different than a long-term rental. So that's what I don't like. Number two, I'm really nervous about regulation of them. And I have been in different cities across the United States that I visited where somebody has said to me, oh, they banned short-term rentals here. Now, when I talk to people who manage short-term rentals, and, and I'm not an expert in short-term rentals. I'm just putting it out there because this is a strategy that some people are taking. But when I talk to people who are into short-term rentals, they feel like they have certain locations that are less likely to be a risk. And I'm sure that's probably true. I just, when I look at things, I look at them long-term. And I look and I say, no matter where you own a short-term rental, could regulation come in that makes it an issue? The third thing I don't like about short-term rentals, and I, I just thought of a fourth thing, so I'm going to give you four things. Uh, the third thing I don't like about short-term rentals is the asset price appreciation that's happened in them. When you know people have always done short-term rentals, but when they became really popular, asset prices were a lot lower. And if you look at different parts, you know, areas throughout the country where short-term rentals are popular. You see in some areas where they've tripled in price, they've quadrupled in price, which means that they have to be short-term rentals in order to carry them. And I don't love the fact that, again, regulation could come in, cause a problem, and then you, if you don't get the, sh- the huge short-term rental income, you're in trouble. Um, so all of those mechanisms, all of those things are things that I don't necessarily love. And the fourth thing that I don't love is the economy. And, you know, people will say to me who run short-term rentals, and by the way, if you haven't already registered for our November event, we're actually going to have a panel 
and this is going to be like related to this topic, so I might as well bring it up right now. If you haven't registered for our November 3rd, November 4th event, we're expecting between three and 500 people there. It's going to be at the Doubletree Hotel in Danvers. You can go to www.agentinvestorevent.com and register for free today. Again, that's www.agentinvestorevent.com. But we're going to do a panel that has a couple of people with each one of these investing strategies. So we have a couple people who are going to be on there that do short-term rentals. So what, what I'm saying now is going to be counterbalanced by a couple people. And if you're interested in short-term rentals, I would really strongly consider registering for the event today. The reason being is because if you're a listener of mine, you're probably not going to ever hear me say too many good things about short-term rentals. But don't let me stop you. Listen to some other people. Get some other insight. So again, www.agentinvestorevent.com. But the fourth thing I don't like about short-term rentals is the economy. And people who love short-term rentals will say, well, everybody always vacations. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if I agree. I think that vacations are things that people cut back on when they lose their job. So, you know, people aren't going to cut back on eating. They're probably not going to cut back on their daily Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Would they maybe not go on a, a vacation to Florida or Cape Cod or wherever you go? It makes me very nervous. It makes me very nervous. And the supply that's been brought onto the market in the last few years has been overwhelming. More people are doing short-term rentals than ever. So. I just knock them, not because I am anti-anything. It's just my opinion. I am going to give you guys some anecdotal things about what other people have told me. I do have some very close friends and family that own short-term rentals. And from what I've been told, this is what the counterbalance to this will be. They're not as hard to manage as you think. I've got a good cleaning person, a good system in place, a good manager in place. The counterbalance will be, well, look how much it appreciated already. The counterbalance will be, well, now I don't have to have a vacation home because I use this a couple weeks out of the year or three weeks out of the year. So I'm saving money there. The counterbalance will be, yes, there could be regulation, but go in the areas where regulation is less likely. The counterbalance will be, well, these are still great houses and great areas, even if short-term rentals got taken away they'd still be worth a lot because they're on the water or they're in this high-end area. So those are the counterbalance points. But if you haven't registered yet for the November 3rd, November 4th event at the Doubletree Hotel in Danvers, get on that right now. I will say that um, we are getting close to running out of room. And although I would say that as a sales pitch anyways, the truth of the matter is at some point soon, I am going to have to limit the registrations because the hotel can only fit 500 people. We can flex up to 500 people, um, but at some point we are gonna get there. Um, So I I do know that we're gonna get there well before November 3rd, November 4th. We're getting new people registering every single day, a few new people at least registering every single day, and we've got a ton of people already registered. So if you haven't registered yet, go to www.com agentinvestorevent.com. And don't forget, if you bring a guest, every guest you bring, 
you get entered into a raffle for a free two-day all-inclusive trip to Aruba. This, guys, this is a lot to consider. Where you're going, what you want to do, what you want to accomplish, how you're going to get there, it's a lot. And, um, you know, I talked earlier about, like, all the mistakes I've made. But the mistakes, they were made, truthfully, because this is a journey. It's not a straight arrow destination. If you're on the sideline, if you haven't started yet, the biggest thing you can do is start, whether it's doing an assignment deal or a flip or a short-term rental or a buy and hold, you really need to get in the game. You really do. And what we find, like anything else, like you can read a manual on how to ride a bike, you know, over and over again as a kid. It's not until you fall a couple times that you really learn how to ride a bike. And everybody rides a bike a little differently. Like, the style with which I ride a bike is a little different than the next person. Same thing with driving a car. And it's all scary until you start. And I'm not going to lie and say it's not scary. Those of you who know my story know that it took me six years to do my first investing deal. I read Rich Dad Poor Dad in 2003, and I didn't do my first deal until 2009. Why didn't I do my first deal until 2009? I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have a mentor. I read all the books in the world. I listened to all the podcasts. I watched all the videos. I went to all the seminars. But it wasn't until I was able to actually have a conversation with anybody um, that I actually did any deals. And that's why I would encourage all of you, if you're interested in learning more about having me mentor you, type inner circle into the comment section below and... I will reach out to you directly, and I'm not going to be the right mentor for everybody. I mean, if you want to do short-term rentals and that's all you're wanting to do, I'm not your guy, but I'm going to push you in the direction where I can help you. So the inner circle, just so you guys know, there's two free ways to get into the inner circle and one paid way. Um, but regardless of like whether or not the inner circle is a fit for you, I would encourage you just to write inner circle below in the comment section so that we can at least have a 10 minute conversation because truthfully and, and anybody who has gotten on one of these calls with me will tell you and what i'm about to say might be a little bit arrogant but it's the truth i'm gonna leave you in a better place than when you started the call i guarantee i guarantee if you if you do a 10 15 minute call with me you're gonna have more clarity than when you started the call and at the end of the day that's all a mentor can do for you right they're going to use their experiences that they've had, their successes, their failures. They're going to ask you what your goals are and how can we apply the mentor successes and failures to your life to help you reach your goals. So again, all that you need to do is, is put inner circle into the comment section below and I will reach out to you on Facebook Messenger. No call originally, just Facebook Messenger, ask you a couple of questions. Where are you at? What are your goals? And Maybe I can help you, maybe I can't, but I can at least help you in the first 10 or 15 minutes and at least push you in the right direction. So um, I do have another thing that I'm going to be doing, not, uh, not tomorrow, but the Wednesday after that I haven't done before. I'm going to do a webinar, the 88 unit in Nashua, and I'm going to walk through the acquisition of the building, how we found it, how we funded it 
the actual numbers, why we picked that deal, the construction that we're doing to it, uh, what we paid for it, how much the construction is costing, how long the construction is going to take, what the valuation is going to be when it's done, what the rents are going to be when it's done. So I, I did do like an apartment training um, a couple of weeks ago, but I didn't get into the nitty gritty. And I felt like that's something that I missed. And I knew that that would take me at least an hour to 90 minutes. So I'm going to do a separate presentation on that. If you want to learn more about that webinar, type webinar in the comment section below, and then I'll shoot you the link to register for that webinar. It's going to be Wednesday, October 5th. I think it's at one o'clock. Yes. Wednesday, October 5th at 12 o'clock. Just type webinar into the comment section below. And I will be releasing um, the topic for next week very soon. All right, guys. I appreciate you, as always, being uh, faithful and loyal listeners. And I hope this, uh, this session you know, brought a lot of value to you. Thanks again for listening to the Agent Investor Podcast. And especially, thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. Every time you share the show and leave a review, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get free weekly education, strategies, and to connect with other agent investors across the country, join our free Facebook group at agentinvestor.com. Again, that's agentinvestor.com.